you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Bet the board. What do you mean you don't bet? I mean, I don't bet. You know, I don't bet. I don't bet. I never have, and I never will. Yeah, right. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. You owe me 15 grand, pal. Pay him. Pay that man his money. It's the Bet the Board podcast. God likes me. He really, really likes me. In the end, I wound up right back where I started. I could still pick winners. And I can still make money for all kinds of people back home. And why mess up a good thing? Here's Payne Insider and Todd Furman. It's time. The time you've all been waiting for. The Monday Night Football edition of Week 9. Bet the board powered by Bet Online. Another NFL Sunday officially in the books. And there were plenty of surprises to talk about, which we'll get to in just a matter of moments. But before we do that, I want to introduce our loyal co-host and analyst. I'm not really sure what his official title is on this podcast. The one, the only Payne Insider. What's going on this morning, buddy? No complaints. Uh, and I'm sure that's the moment everyone's been waiting for, this uh, great Monday night clash between uh, two two-win teams. Well, I mean, when you're talking about Monday night football, you always want to talk Bears-Chargers. But it's not like we've been dealt a gem next week either between the uh, Texans and Bengals. Thank goodness for Sunday night football to take us out of the doldrums. And as always, the Monday night football preview will be the last thing we do uh, to wrap up today's podcast. But before we get there, of course, it's time to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, from what we saw yesterday in pain. I'm going to let you lead it off like I always do this segment, my friend. Let's go a little glass half empty. Uh, we can talk oh, about the Falcons. <laughs> I don't know. We where do you want to start with the Falcons on this one? <laughs> we can talk about the Falcons. We can talk about Dan Quinn. This was a team that I uh, had higher hopes for. Now they came out of the gates pretty strong. The defense, uh, not great, but they are absolutely improved. Um, but this specific game, even though we said uh, on this podcast, take San Francisco once it got above seven. It did that. Hopefully you did that as well. Um, This was a bad game to drop. Uh, I I get it's the NFL. It's tough on the road. Uh, You still have two meetings with the Panthers, so the NFC South isn't completely out of the question, but you have to win a game like that. 
Uh, 300 yards of offense is just pathetic when you're facing the 49ers. Uh, 29th in yards per play allowed. Uh, and the biggest thing I know we'll talk about it is the huge, huge mistake at the end of the game. Fourth and goal from the two. You kick a field goal. Uh, there's a reason your owner spends $175 million on Julio and Matt Ryan. Those two guys are luxuries I think most teams would die for, and you kick a field goal instead of letting your money guys get you two yards. And we talk about a defense that surrenders six yards per play in San Francisco. So you absolutely have to go for it there. Huge gaffe by Dan Quinn and the Falcons. Yeah, Julio Jones, 10 catches, 137 yards, and you don't even think to look his way in that particular spot. And I understand – no, you know what? I don't even understand why Quinn would elect to kick the field goal thinking his defense could get a stop. But I have to give the 49ers credit. They never gave the ball back to Atlanta and took the rare opportunity to get a win uh, under the leadership of the now all-of-a-sudden winning streak, Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, Gabbert, uh, I'm not going to say looked good but uh, still a couple mistakes there. But he, he managed the game, uh, was able to get them a few scores, which seemed to be enough. And I think a lot of guys, when we talk about this Dan Quinn uh, late-game gaffe, field position is worth a certain amount of points. And when you can back a team inside their own two, it's worth roughly 1.3 points. So essentially you line up for a field goal there. Yes, it goes through the uprights. It counts as three on the scoreboard. It was really about a 1.7-point field goal there. So that's how big that mistake was. And if we're talking about coaching gaffes and mishaps, let's go right into your backyard with Dan Campbell and the way he handled the end of the first half. Clearly the honeymoon phase over for the Dolphins as they're now on a two-game losing streak. The schedule will do them no favors moving forward. And for the second time this season, uh, we saw a Buffalo team impose their will physically. Tyrod Taylor only throws the ball 12 times, and the Bills' simplified game plan yields 8.2 yards per play. Do we think Campbell not only, you know, where does he finish this? Where does this Dolphins team finish the season pain? And can Campbell even be considered for their head coach moving forward? You know, it's, it's, it's easy to get guys to play hard and physical when you're winning. But when losses start to stack up in the right-hand column, uh, the message tends to not be absorbed by the players. And nothing worse can happen to a locker room than players feeling like coaches are losing them the game. Poor clock management before the end of the half cost Miami at least three points, potentially seven. Uh, and the game plan wasn't great from the onset. Uh, you really you can't change a zebra stripes. And Joe Philbin left behind a finesse team. No matter how many Oklahoma drills Dan Campbell wants to run, the talent is finesse. And the Bills came out, punched Miami in the mouth, and the Dolphins kind of ran away from the bully. Uh, 266 yards on the ground for Buffalo. They had two 100-yard rushers and a 100-yard receiver. First time in franchise history for Buffalo to have two 100-yard rushers and a 100-yard receiver in the same game. And, of course, this is a Buffalo team whose schedule gets very daunting coming up. We'll talk about their game against the New York Jets on Thursday night in greater detail later this week. But Buffalo now 3-4, three and four, three straight road games at the Jets, at the Patriots, at Kansas City. If this team is going to get themselves into the AFC wildcard discussion, it had to start with a win against the Miami Dolphins. But any other, uh, well, glass half full, glass half empty teams for you yesterday, Payne? You know, I think the Colts, uh, I know they got to uh, an early lead Potentially gave it away. Huge, huge coaching mistake at the end of the first half, uh, allowing Denver to get back in it, get that momentum score before halftime. But you're talking about a Colts team played on Monday Night Football, so it was a short week as it is. It was a physical game against the Packers. You're facing another physical defense in Denver. 
Uh, it was a five-quarter game, and you just didn't expect a ton. T.Y. Hilton was initially ruled out. I got a text message saying he would play. They shot him up. They didn't even think he would be effective. His guys didn't think he'd be effective, and he goes out there, battles 82 yards on five receptions. Uh, so I, you really have to be impressed by what the Colts did. I know what the record says at four and five, but they still control their own division, uh, and they could still end up hosting a playoff game. And we talk about the Colts-Broncos game. You had to figure that Denver was going to be a little bit flat off the emotional win on Sunday night against Green Bay, which loses a little bit of luster after watching the early games and seeing the Packers struggle. You go through, and you mentioned the play at the end of the first half, which my condolences go out to any first-half underbetters who thought they could walk away from their television sets when it was 17 nothing and have an easy cash there. Uh, this one goes out for a glass half-empty from the Broncos' defense. There was just not focus that we'd seen in weeks leading up to it. We know letdowns are you know, possible all the time, but broken coverages, Aqib Tlaib with a stupid penalty late in the game trying to poke Dwayne Allen in the eye. He may be handed down some discipline from the league office for that play. Uh, and you look at it, despite some of that, the Denver Broncos defense still held the Colts to 4.7 yards per play. So what does it do as far as your efficiency metrics? Does that thing really create a blip on the radar? Or how do we view Denver moving forward? No, I mean, I think this is a team that's going to be fine moving forward. We talk about Team 7-0, and fat and happy. Their quote-unquote Super Bowl uh, was this past Sunday night. Uh, so it doesn't really do much for my efficiency metrics. They were way out ahead of everybody. Still, yards per play was great. Uh, the Colts really were able to establish a ground game. Now, I know it's not going to look great, but you're able to amass 120 yards on the ground. And I've said this all along. If there's one spot that Denver is a little susceptible, it's punching them right in the mouth, running the ball right up the gut. And if you just have that threat, I know all the efficiency guys hate it because you're only – grinding out three yards per play when you have, you know, Andrew Luck. But at some point, what it does to open up the rest of the game, you cannot squat on passes. You have to respect the run if guys are willing to do it. So it opens things up. Uh, and I really just, for me, this was a great Colts win. Uh, not one many expected. The game got dummied up early in the week, and we saw just a huge wave of steam coming in on the Colts. So uh, big win. Both the teams that played on Monday night with short weeks look very, very impressive this week. Yeah, that game, as you mentioned, dummied up. It got as high as five and a half and absolutely buried going off at right around three flat. And the Colts 100% the right side, building a 17 nothing lead early and hanging on for dear life. And we talk about the Broncos, of course, this will be a team that you know will be one of our focal points on this podcast with their upcoming schedule. A game Sunday against Kansas City, on the road at Chicago with an emotional reunion against John Fox. And then, of course, the game that a lot of people have had circled on their calendars which we thought could be a showdown of unbeatens on Sunday Night Football on November 29th when the Patriots go into Invesco Field. Payne, a team that really impressed me uh, over, over the weekend was the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Now, I know it was in a losing effort, but you have Allen Hearns and Allen Robinson each going for 100-plus yards. And you look at the total yardage in this game, 436 yards for the Jags, only 290 for the Jets. Uh, you talked about it weeks ago, saying that this offense needed T.J. Yeldon and the threat of a ground game to really be able to have a vertical threat. And I think the Jets pretty fortunate to win that game, but we can also make the case that they deserve to cover having a double-digit lead with only a few minutes to go. Yeah, this was weird. one of the weirder games of, uh, of the day on Sunday. Jets got out early. They were outside the number, 
Jaguars get the huge momentum score, and we talk about this all the time, that touchdown right before the half, it's worth more than seven points. One team goes into the half dejected. The other one's ready to run through a wall. So it's a huge score that Jacksonville got before halftime. Um, And then late in that game, again, they're not covering. uh, Came down, quick three-play drive. Blake Bortles marches them down there to get inside the number. They were pretty effective, but this offense, when you talk about Blake Bortles, having a weapon like Julius Thomas, a big target over the middle, is a young quarterback's best friend. T.J. Yeldon now getting some ground game going. Those two guys really allow cornerbacks to have to face Hearns and Robinson one-on-one. No safeties are going to be able to help over the top because they're going to be focused on Julius Thomas. They're going to be focused on coming down into the box and helping on Yeldon. So it really opens things up. Um, and against that secondary, I know the Jets were without some guys at the safety position. Kind of, they get everybody in the right spots, and that was not the case. A lot of breakdowns um, in the secondary, despite Cromartie uh, and Revis back there. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a team worth watching in Jacksonville going forward. We know how good Coach Harbaugh has been out of the bye. Jacksonville goes on the road to Baltimore. We've seen a little bit of money come in, six and a half disappearing through early wagering. Uh, teams, any other disappointing efforts that uh, you were a little bit surprised by, Payne? Uh, I think the Packers, we talked about them a little bit. Uh, they did amass over 400 yards. They're having trouble with the ground game. Eddie Lacy, it appears he's uh, eating himself out of the league. Um, but the offense just doesn't have a ton of rhythm. And this was very interesting when I was looking at a bunch of our metrics. They need to start going up-tempo a little more. We think of Aaron Rodgers and this fun-and-gun offense. In reality, is they play slow as a snail. Uh, we have them 30th in pace. So I think if you pick up the tempo, you get the defense a little tired, and your wide receivers who are having trouble getting open might create a little more space and give that offense a few more opportunities. Yeah, and we talk about Green Bay, now losers of two straight. A chance to get healthy this Sunday against the Detroit Lions, and then what amounts to a very big divisional game that we might not have thought uh, just a few short weeks ago when they go on the road to take on the Vikings on November 22nd. For me, the game or an effort that was glass half full and glass half empty all at the same time, I want to give credit to the Tennessee Titans. Marcus Mariota, uh, specifically Delaney Walker, is his primary target, making some circus-style grabs to keep the Titans in the game. Uh, But their defense doesn't get enough credit, and I think what we saw against the Saints, they slowed down the juggernaut that had been Drew Brees. The Saints' defense, of course, made it easier for Tennessee not only to run the ball with Antonio Andrews, but to pick up chunk yards. You look at the play calling in overtime, absolutely outstanding from Mike Malarkey, and I think we're going to have value in Tennessee moving forward. The question becomes with the Saints, will there be value going against them, uh, given how porous this defense really has been under Rob Ryan? Yeah, I mean, you are who you are. And the Saints defense, dead last in defensive efficiency, uh, dead last in yards per play by a long mile. Uh, So this wasn't, to me, a shock. I know we were both on Tennessee. It was one of our larger plays on Sunday. Uh, It's just tough to lay more than a touchdown with a defense like that. Um, With the Saints prospects moving forward, uh, probably not good in the immediate future. Uh, With the Titans prospects moving forward, I'm not really sure what Mike Malarkey is. Uh, but probably a decent spot this coming weekend. So it'll be interesting to see. The Titans are a team we talked about potentially playing a lot this season with our preview podcast nine weeks ago. Uh, Mariota is trending in the right direction. The defense much, much improved under Dick LeBeau. They're starting to get some of those pieces back healthy with Parrish Cox, uh, and Arakpo looks to uh, 
got his little payday, but he's been pretty resurgent uh, in helping that defensive line play physical and get to the quarterback. He definitely showed a lot of fire, that's for sure. And they did that game yesterday as far as effort was concerned without McCourty in the secondary. So something to keep in mind. Steelers-Raiders, a game that was interesting to watch. I have to give the Steelers credit for the way they got the ball to D'Angelo Williams and Antonio Brown in space. Went up and down the field. Of course, Big Ben now be sidelined for an indeterminate amount of time with a mild foot sprain. Uh, but you look at the Steelers blowing a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. I'm sure there were a number of bitter Steeler backers out there who thought they could have poked the ball across the goal line. Uh, but I think, you know, Payne, we talk about this all the time. You can take sometimes more away from a side in a losing effort. And I think Oakland showing a ton of fight to erase that 14-point deficit really are basically announcing to the world that we're going to be here, we're not going away when it comes to trying to get into the playoff picture in the AFC. Yeah, it's a bunch of young kids who don't know any better that are playing confidently. Um, They don't know they're supposed to lose these games. Uh, Now, granted, the box score a little misleading. This is a Pittsburgh team that nearly had 200 more yards of offense. Big Ben goes down in crunch time, basically seven minutes to go in the game. Uh, And the 14-point lead is lost at that point. If I think Big Ben's probably still in the game, Pittsburgh goes on to win like they did here, but they probably cover the spread as well. So uh, a little fortunate, I think, for Oakland to keep it as close as they did. But at the end of the day, they got two huge drives late in that game from Carr and company. Uh, So this is a Raiders team that isn't going anywhere. Uh, They're going to be competitive. The defense, still huge question marks there. Uh, They were actually able to stop the run coming into this game. Uh, Didn't do a good job there. And the secondary is just a mash unit. I know everybody is kind of uh, praising Woodson. He's had the interceptions. He's made the big plays, the big ESPN plays. But the secondary is horrific. Um, So that's still uh, a part of this team that's going to be exploited week to week with the Oakland Raiders. And lastly, before we kind of wrap up the overachievers and underachievers for Week 9, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Sunday night football game, Payne. We saw Philadelphia's offense show a little bit of big play potential. The defense didn't quite look as stout as what we'd grown accustomed to. Matt Castle again leads the Cowboys to an inferior effort. Uh, this one, at least, they hung 27 points. But what are the main takeaways you see from Dallas and Philadelphia after what transpired last evening? You know, Dallas's offensive line is pretty dang good. Uh, I think we know that by now. They were able to get the ground game going a little bit. Matt Castle uh, did not look very good early on in that game. All of a sudden built that rapport with Cole Beasley, uh, and you could see his confidence grow. A couple lucky things, you know, just kind of hope and heave one up to Des Bryant and let your guy make a play. Uh, they had some, let's just say, some fortunate uh, breaks with how the The ball rolled a little bit. That game probably could have been over after Philadelphia took a seven-point lead. Castle gets stripped from behind, and it just lands to a guy laying on the ground. Uh, So that could have changed some things. So it'll be interesting to see. Moving forward, this feels like a must-win against Tampa. Maybe a spot you look at. Still need to do some digging there. Philadelphia. Uh, That was a huge win for them. I think they do control their own destiny. We see the offense clearly get better as the game goes on, which means what? The defense is getting tired. The up-tempo stuff is working. Uh, They're getting the ground game going. They're starting to call plays that uh, make sense for the style of running backs they have. Uh, And when you look at the rest of the division, they play five games at home. So they have an advantage. There are only three games left on the road. So they play more home games than anybody else in the division. Uh, They actually have the easiest schedule remaining than anybody else left in the division. So uh, for me, Philadelphia really needs to carry the momentum forward after a big overtime win Sunday night.
And they'll have a big chance this week as nearly a touchdown favorite when they play host of the Dolphins. And one last thing before we wrap this segment, I wanted to address some of the comments made by Rodney Harrison regarding Jeff Fisher and the cheap shot allegedly enforced on Teddy Bridgewater. It looks like Teddy will be okay passing concussion protocol. But for Rodney Harrison to come out publicly and call out Jeff Fisher, uh, I think it takes a lot of guts. I mean, it was probably the right thing to do. But to call out another coach for being cheap when your track record in the NFL isn't exactly squeaky clean, uh, as a football player, I found awfully interesting. So anyone who had a chance to watch a Sunday night football telecast knows exactly what I'm talking about there. I was actually going to say that same exact thing. Uh, You don't throw stones when you live in a glass house. Uh, Rodney (laughs) Harrison, clearly one of the dirtiest players we've ever had in the NFL. But listen... I'm not opposed to that. You need guys like that on your team. You need a guy like that to enforce, set the tone. Uh, Listen, these guys aren't ballerinas. Uh, We've seen, even with Hardy, you know, if you can play, if you can be tough, it really doesn't matter what happens off the field. Every team needs one of them. Um, So I didn't really – I didn't think the play was that bad either. I mean, this is the result of where the NFL is heading. You can't have guys tackle high. So where are they going to go? They're going to go low. And it's kind of a bang-bang play. Defenders going low, quarterbacks going low to slide, and these are the types of things that happen. And if you talk to even these players, they'll tell you, we would much rather be hit high than low. Uh, But this is the way the NFL is trending. And these defenders, they can't hit guys anywhere anymore. Um, So you're going to see them going low. And this is kind of the result of it. Yeah, you mentioned players wanting to get hit high instead of low. They know their knees and ankles keep them in paydays. But I think when you look at the long-term ramifications, and we're not here for a scientific debate, CTE concussions, probably a little bit more debilitating. But I guess when you take meals off people's plates, it does get to be a little dicey proposition. That voice you've heard on the other end of the podcast, one of the best in the business when it comes to National Football League analysis each and every week throughout the fall, Pain Insider. You can follow him on Twitter at Payne Insider. Follow me on Twitter, at Todd Furman. And if you haven't already signed up for this podcast, to have it in your inbox or however the hell it gets to you, I'm not a tech guy, (laughs) SoundCloud, iTunes, or visit us at Todstake.com. And Payne, looking ahead to this weekend's game, you mentioned Dallas probably in a must-win. We've seen the market adjust, and not a big move by any stretch. Dallas and the Westgate uh, Superbook look-ahead numbers were a one-point favor for their trip down to the West Coast of Florida. Now you're looking at Tampa minus one. The Bucks come in off a loss against the Giants, where I think the final score, obviously 32-18, a little bit misleading, was much closer than that. And, of course, the Giants got the junk score to put it over the total in the waning seconds. Uh, but when we look at these two teams, knowing what's at stake, uh, where do we think this number goes? And do you agree with uh, the market moving two points based on yesterday's results? Yeah, you know, not a huge move, obviously, through zero. It's the only place it's going to go. Uh, You know, for me here, it's about what Dallas can do offensively with their offensive line. Tampa actually, uh, as much as I've bagged on their defense, uh, (laughs) their ground defense has been pretty good, only allowing 3.7 yards per rush. So that'll be the matchup within the matchup that kind of determines this game. Um, Are you going to be able to stop the run and force Castle to throw? Uh, and that'll be the key key thing there to look at. For me, uh, I think this would probably, you know, I'm going to see where this line goes. I think there'll be some maneuvering with this game. Uh, but this is kind of a last stand for Dallas. Uh, Tampa, again, not very good at home. Uh, they still continue to make mistakes that bad teams make. Uh, just not a huge fan of Tampa Bay's coach at this point. I yeah. think at this point, just, just lose games. Lose games, get rid of your coach, <laughs> get a better draft pick. Um, that's That's where I would be heading if I'm Tampa. 
Well, I think if you're a Bucks fan, that's what you want to see. You, you want to see the camaraderie and rapport continue to develop with Jameis Winston and his receivers. They've gotten steady contributions out of the ground game, whether it's Doug Martin or Charles Sims. But, yeah, you don't want to win these football games. So uh, when you're talking about laying points with Tampa, a very delicate proposition as compared to taking sixes and sevens that are widely available on the road. One of the other games we saw a little bit of movement, and not a ton again, uh, through a key number, is this week the market didn't appear to overreact quite like we've seen in the past, as you figure it won't for weeks 10 through 17. The Saints on the look-ahead line were minus 2.5, and and right now you're looking at the Saints, or excuse me, yeah, on the look-ahead line, minus 2.5, you're looking at the Saints still a one-point road favorite uh, in this particular spot. Yeah, um, you know, the loss obviously hurt some value here. Washington uh, didn't look very well either off the bye. Granted, they were playing the Patriots, but uh, no life at all there. Three points throughout the course of that game, get a late garbage touchdown to keep it closer. Uh, But the offense, just pathetic. Uh, So it's going to be uh, interesting to see where this heads. Wouldn't be shocked uh, to see some some phony money enter the market here on New Orleans. Uh, For me... I think it's Washington or pass as we look at it on this Monday morning. Now, always tough to try and make a case for backing the Saints as a road favorite, especially switching services and playing on natural grass. We mentioned their defensive shortcomings, uh, but a game that will get much more attention for, from us, uh, at least on the Thursday podcast. And you mentioned the Patriots, dominant yet again, a very workmanlike effort uh, in dispatching the Washington Redskins. Uh, they go on the road to take on the Giants, a team that's really had their number in the past, Uh, Patriots were a seven-point favorite on the look-ahead number, pretty similar to what it is, but wanted to get your initial thoughts. And Are are we talking about a potential flat spot, maybe a look-ahead for the Giants to get in the win column with another marquee victory uh, and knock off the pat? Clearly a spot uh, that the Giants are going to feel comfortable. They've had some success against New England. The defense, though, just trending in the wrong direction, uh, dropped all the way down uh, to 26th in defensive efficiency in our metrics. And this was a team that after the first few weeks uh, were in the top 10. So that side of the ball, definitely concerning when you're talking about the Patriots. Uh, I know the Patriots offense a little plug and play, but I would presume Deion Lewis, regardless of the long-term effects, will be out for sure uh, this week. So that'll change some some offensive dynamic stuff for uh, for the Patriots. For me, uh, you know, probably be looking to grab anything over a touchdown here. It'll be very interesting to see where the market tends to head there. Uh, and Payne, lastly, one game as far as look ahead, of course, there was a major injury for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This game initially off the board when we went through our pre-call and, and doing some of our notes to get set up for this podcast. You were looking at the Steelers, a seven-point home favorite against Cleveland. I think uh, a lot of our listeners will be surprised to see this number only open Pittsburgh four and a half. Uh, We fully expect Big Ben to be on the sidelines. If he has a miraculous recovery, it's going to be a lot different. Uh, But only a two and a half point adjustment with Pittsburgh playing host to the Cleveland Browns, looking at Landry Jones as their starting quarterback. Yeah, obviously a little tougher this week when you're not just talking about Landry Jones, but you're talking about uh, D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams did a great job. but it helps when you have Big Ben back there. It helps uh, when you have a shoddy secondary that you're playing against. Uh, this is, for me, I think the move is absolutely warranted. Uh, would not be shocked to see it come down a little bit more. Uh, so that's something we'll have to monitor as the week progresses. Again, these are just coming out as we are talking about it at 4.5, total 41 as well. Yep, yeah, and of course the big thing to keep in mind as well, not only will – Landry Jones get the start, which I think is probably about a 99.9% certainty. It appears that Johnny Manziel's short-lived tenure, at least as starting quarterback this time around, uh, will last one game, and we expect Josh McCown 
to be out there under center for the Cleveland Browns. As we do throughout the course of the season, football takes our primary focus, but as any rational individual knows, you do need a little bit of a distraction. So I'm going to let you kick off our movie preview for this week. I know typically we've gone with guy-centric films, and I'm not quite sure if this movie falls into that realm, uh, but it was a film I was pleasantly surprised with. Yeah, it's probably not guy-centric, but uh, I'll be man enough to admit this. I watch the Cooking Channel from time to time, and I am a big Bradley Cooper fan, so the movie review is burnt. Uh, Bradley Cooper, he was amazing. Uh, Sometimes I have trouble seeing actors in certain roles, uh, and when you get Bradley Cooper, whose last big, big movie uh, we could agree on was, was American Sniper, it can be difficult to see them in this kind of new role, but I think he killed it. Um, didn't once think about American Sniper throughout the movie, so uh, I think this was, was an interesting one. Definitely one that you can gain some points uh, taking the lady friend to. Wait, you weren't going to say that you identified Bradley Cooper's main acting role as the lovely trio of movies known as The Hangover 1, 2, and 3 that we've seen? I figured that would be the... Uh the number one Bradley Cooper-affiliated movie that you'd come up with, Payne? No, no, no. I wasn't a huge fan. I liked the first one. The rest <laughs> were just kind of meh. I don't think anybody liked the second and third ones. It's a trilogy that never should have happened, but you're exactly right. When you talk about Bradley Cooper, he's kind of escalated his acting role, and while neither of us trained in the cinematic arts, uh, I think he's definitely up there as one of the best actors, along with the Leonardo DiCaprios of the world, the Brad Pitts. Uh, outstanding versatility playing you know, Chris Kyle in American Sniper and then seeing him do this in Burnt. And I also think people should realize, if you go see the movie Burnt, uh, it's a lot like working with Payne, Bradley Cooper's character. You know, Maybe not so much from the genius standpoint, but the yelling, the screaming, the throwing of things. It's always you know, somebody else's fault rather than Payne taking responsibility and being accountable for his own actions. Oh, man. Nice little jab in there. Nice little jab. I mean, uh, I'm not going to no, I think we keep... I think we have uh, realistic listeners um and they probably know that that's a, a pile of poo. <laughs> yeah, if any of our listeners think that, you know, you're the nice guy and I'm the asshole and all this, I'm a little bit concerned. We may have to have a we may have to have a sit-down dialogue that or you've blown snow uh, officially up everyone's asses over the better part of a season and a half as we as we go deeper. You either have value or you don't. That's the <laughs> bottom line. <laughs> well, I think the comment is, you know, if the headaches that you create uh, are less than the value that you add. You know, people are going to tolerate you. So that's kind of the way that we view one another in this particular equation. No doubt about it. <laughs> so that, that works. Monday Night Football, of course, the big game uh, between two two-win teams, the Chargers and Bears. But we want to get our Chicago insider who has a trend he's been itching to try and throw out there. So, uh, Sammy, why don't you jump in here, throw out a little nugget for our listeners. Well, yeah, I just have the top five teams against the spread in the NFL. Some of these are surprising. So the best team against the spread, Cincinnati 7-0-1, Minnesota 7-1, then the Patriots 5-1-2, the Panthers 6-2, and and the Broncos are 5-2-1. and one. You have to be most surprised by the Vikings, right? 7-1 and one against the number. I mean, this was a team that we knew, and Payne's mentioned a number of times, took money from the professionals on their win total over. We thought that they were a little bit of smoke and mirrors with their 6-2 and two record, uh, especially given the schedule they've played. Showed fight in getting through the Rams yesterday, but I think the one takeaway for me in this, and Payne, tell me if I'm wrong, you're looking at some of the marquee teams in the league, and they're winning a lot of football games, and are oddsmakers doing enough 
to make you pay a premium with two undefeated sides in the mix, the Patriots and Broncos, who we know are public, and the Minnesota Vikings, who sit at 6-2. and two. Traditionally, we like to see the teams that are 2-7 and seven have the most point spread value because they are the so-called ugly ducklings. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of talked about it over the past few years. Everyone likes to scream parody in the NFL, and that just hasn't been the case recently. Uh, and I saw something out there that said this was the highest uh, year in NFL history where if you just pick the winner – you've covered the spread. Um, and it's kind of taken that role over of March Madness, where we talk about a lot of underdogs during March Madness. Pick the winner, you, you probably have the ATS result. Uh, and that, that stat I saw, I don't have it in front of me, but it was very, very interesting to see that this was the highest year in NFL history where if you just pick the winner, uh, you found the ATS winner. And traditionally, that number, I mean, I don't have the stat adjusted for this season either, but it was between 72 and 74%, depending on what you use for closing line value over the last 10 years. So people that think it's still, you know, don't let us naysay the importance of getting the best of the number, folks. But if you can pick the outright winner, uh, it makes sense to also dabble on the money line, especially when you touch up underdogs. I know, Payne, you had a piece of the Titans at about plus 330. Always a healthy payday when you can potentially cash that. And, of course, the Monday night game that I know all of you are sitting waiting with bated breath. You've set up viewing parties coast-to-coast from Chicago to the coast of California. The Chargers a four-and-a-half-point favorite at bet online. Total on this one, 49-and-a-half as they play host to the Chicago Bears. A couple trends to keep in mind. The Chargers, one and seven against the spread. The last eight is a favorite, and they've been burning money at the window, five and 14 against the number. Their last 19 football games overall. Yeah, uh, I don't really know where to start with this game. I think you have to give kudos to John Fox. Team has little to no talent, but they look prepared. They fight hard every week. Matt Forte, clearly a huge loss. Um, So that's definitely one thing you have to look at here in just John Fox having his team prepared, playing playing hard. Uh, One thing you definitely have to factor in here is the body clock. I know it's kind of overused when we talk about West teams going east for the early start. The bigger, much bigger uh, historic trend is the central teams, these eastern teams going west for a late start. Uh, We tend to see these teams fade in the second half, uh, so that's something you definitely want to factor into this game, advantage chargers for sure. Uh, For me, this is kind of the last stop here for San Diego. I know they're 2-6, and six, but you look at the rest of the AFC wildcard race, you need a win here. And then you're looking at only being about a game and a half, two games out of the rest of the wildcard teams. You face a couple of them, um, the Raiders specifically. So that's something that uh, you've got to keep in mind here. Yeah, well, I mean, the Bear fans, uh, they'll talk about it and they'll say, well, you know, we went out to the West Coast and we rallied from a second-half deficit a year ago against the 49ers. But you make an interesting case talking about the body clock and how that does need to be factored in. Of course, injury is a major concern for both teams. We're not ever sure who's going to be out there for the Chargers. Antonio Gates, probable. Ladarius Green looks like he's going to be sidelines. We know no Keenan Reynolds, who's out for the season with a laceration of his kidney. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. Todd's a college guy. Anytime you can get him to spew some college football, uh, he'll go and do it. And you know what? Every now and again, I, I start to wander. And I, even when I have my TVs in, in my office on mute, I pick my head up and I see a picture of Russell Wilson and Sierra. It kind of throws me off my game. Big, big win for Navy this weekend. It was definitely a big win for, for Keenan Reynolds and company, covering as a 10-point dog. And then we look at the Bears, of course. No Matt Forte out there, who's been Jake Cutler's security blanket. Jeremy Langford will pick up the lion's share. Eddie Royal out. Uh, so really interesting to try and figure out how these two teams will look. 
as far as the size concerned, I would have a slight lean towards the Chargers. I know four and a half different than where you could have jumped on this game. Total at 49. Payne, easier to make a case for going over or under in this particular game, if anything at all? Uh, I think a lot of people will run towards the over. Uh, you know, not necessarily the wrong side. We did see this open as high as 52. We're now down to 49. Uh, both these teams, not a ton to play for. Defensively, though, uh, definitely a weakness for both teams. Out of division game, out of conference game, uh, you kind of see points tend to fly here. Uh, but for me, when I look at games like this, I think you have to kind of pinpoint and pick out certain quotes that you can read, um, and it kind of gauges the mentality. And one of the quotes that really resonated with me this week was Eric Weddle in regards to sitting this game out. And his response was, that's what losers do. I'm not a loser. I'm not selfish. I've played through injuries before. This team is why I play the game even more so now. I need to be out there. Will I be 100%? Hell no. But 90% of me is better than anybody else. And I think that's the mentality uh, that the San Diego Chargers will have on Monday night. We saw them defeat and cover um, against a much, much better team in the Pittsburgh Steelers. For me, uh, I know it's the public side, but that would be the only way I could look. Some guys did get out late three and a half, late four. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I know the metrics show value on Chicago here for sure. Um, but I think for me, it's San Diego or pass. At four and a half, not running to bet it, but at three and a half, four, uh, that was certainly the side. And let's be honest here. You look at San Diego, and we know how muddled the AFC playoff picture is. A great opportunity to beat the Bears today, pick up their third win, go to three and six, have a bye week and a chance to regroup where they'll play Kansas City at home before going on the road to Jacksonville. So weirder things have definitely happened in the past. Uh, much like you, though, Payne, I think some of the values zapped out of this number and probably not one of the best investment opportunities you're going to have. We've been great, in my opinion, about being disciplined, sharing some of our strongest stuff with podcast listeners. We're not going to send you to the window uh, for an action play. That's not the kind of podcast that we're going to provide for any of these guys. And we haven't done it for nine weeks. We're not going to change our MO moving forward. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Uh, price definitely matters. Um, now, granted, it hasn't a ton this year, but uh, it's just bad habit in my mind. I, it really ticks me off when I don't get the best of the number, um, more so than results, because simply put, I control uh, the investment I make. Once I make that investment uh, and I know I've got the best of the number, it's really out of my hands. I'm not going out there at safety making a tackle or I'm not catching a ball. Uh, so the best position we can put ourselves in as betters is getting the best number uh, every single time out. Uh, there's definitely uh, a lot to be said about that. You know the success long-term is making sure you can lock up that price, giving yourself a percentage point here and there. And there's a reason in this business those margins are so small. Sam, I wasn't sure if you had an anecdote about what it takes to get the best of the number or the kind of red flags it may send up. Yeah, yeah. when they call you and ask you why Illinois moved five points and why you were on it, that's always a good sign, right? <laughs> that is the power of this podcast, and Sam, of course, referring to the college football game over the weekend, Illinois and Purdue. That number open to pick, got as high as six, bounced back to three. Uh, definitely a fascinating number. Could have got plus one in Vegas. You know, if you, if you were the early bird to grab the worm, I mean, you, you could have taken full advantage of the price that was out there. So that's for sure. And Payne, before we uh, let our loyal listeners go about their week as we try and break up the monotony uh, of the Mondays at the office, any words of wisdom before we reconvene come Thursday? Uh, you know, nothing yet. No uh, San Francisco-like words of wisdom leaving this podcast just yet, maybe on Thursday. Uh We'll hit them with something great again. But uh, for me, at this point, we're good. 
There are always plenty of opportunities to invest. Don't ever feel forced or compelled to try and be able to get down uh, as we get into one of the busiest seasons when we're talking about college football, the NFL, NHL, NBA, and soon a college basketball will get underway in full force. For Payne Insider, follow him on Twitter, at Payne Insider. I'm Todd Furman. You can follow me there as well, at Todd Furman. Sign up, iTunes, SoundCloud, or visit us at Todd'sTake.com. Bet the Board Podcast, powered by Bet Online. We'll be right back at you on Thursday as we preview all the biggest games on the Week 10 schedule. In the meantime, best of luck, and hopefully we'll see you at the window. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta SkyMiles business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business.